What's up, Fathom fam? We're so glad you're here with us as we launch into spring season at Fathom Church. Around here, springtime means we're getting ready for our annual neighborhood party, egg hunt, and resurrection nocturne, and two Sunday services on Easter morning. Hop on over to fathom.church forward slash look up for more details on all of these awesome upcoming events. Remember to check us out on the Church Center app or find us on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. And while you're there, make sure to also request to join our Fathom Family Facebook group. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Uh, We're in part three of a series we've been in called On Purpose, On Purpose. And and I want to lean in here. If you've been with us, you know we've been breaking down this one verse. And and the idea that we've been working around is um, a lot of times when we think of purpose, we think of what am I supposed to do? What am I called to do? What am I supposed to do? What I've been unpacking through this text is it's really our purpose flows out of who we believe we are. It's our identity. We've got to get our identity right because uh, what we believe on the inside really flows out to how we live on the outside. And so we've been working through this one verse for four weeks, and we're making a couple of words at a time. We're going to wrap it up next week for some of y'all that are tired tired of this verse. Um, we're going to uh, read right now 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Has anybody been called out of darkness into his marvelous light? Am I thankful that you've been called out of darkness? Um, I want to work through this this one phrase right here: "Holy nation." Even bef- like, and I know, like, uh, in, in our audience here in the room, as well as uh, online, I know some of you are are professing Christians. Others of you are just seeking and just uh, hanging out. And and I'm so grateful you're all all here. But this idea of holy nation, even before we come to know Christ, even in that, uh, we've heard this word holy. Even if we haven't been in the church, we've heard this word holy. We've probably even used it as we've judged Christians who think they're better than us, or a co-worker who think that their, their uh, stuff doesn't stink, if you know what I mean, right? We say, who do you think you are, Miss Holier Than Thou? You probably use that even um, out of a, a church and scriptural context. We've, we've judged others for that, but I want to lean in and teach us really about holiness and why holiness matters and the purpose and holiness, and, and really it begins in us. But let, let's start with this very simple definition. It means to be set apart. Holy means to be set apart. Um, and, and so let's work through what it means to, to be set apart for, for just a second. Like in our cabinets, I don't know about your house, but in your cabinets, uh, we've got some kids' cups, like the plastic cups. We don't, they can't break, you know, the indestructible ones. Then we've got some of the everyday common use cups. You guys know what I'm talking about? You got those there? And, and they're kind of everyday. We, we just drink them. It doesn't matter what happens to them. It doesn't matter if there's stains on it from somebody's fingers. Uh, then there's the coffee mugs. Those have a specific purpose. 
But I wouldn't say they have a, a, a special purpose. But then there's these one cups that I usually have to get when, you know, some people come over and, you know, we really want to kind of set out everything real nice and I have to get the stool and reach up. It's up on the, the third cabinet. Um, and it's those glass ones that that's got the nice stem on it. And, and I, I look at those and, and those have kind of been set apart for a special purpose. Well, what happens and when we begin to follow Christ in that moment of declaration, when He chooses us and we choose Him back, we realize that, hey, we've actually been set apart for a specific purpose. The struggle that I think that we find, that means that we've been set apart. We're holy. He, Christ, makes us holy through Jesus Christ, not through our works. He makes us holy. And so there's these three purposes of holiness that I really want to help us understand today. And the first, it begins with that we've been set apart for Him. We've been set apart for Him. We've been set apart as sacred and holy for Him. The Scriptures tell us that God is holy. All through the Old Testament and the New Testament, all the way up to Revelation, when the elders and the angels stand around the throne of God, they declare, holy, holy, holy. And this, the repetition of holy, holy, holy is simply to underscore His holiness. Like it's an infinite amount of holiness. Like it doesn't end that He's been set apart. He's like no other God. So we've been set apart for him. Go all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 14 and we, we read that um, uh, for you're a, ho- a, a people holy to the Lord your God and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. We see it in this, in this first Peter passage too that we're his chosen treasured possession. Uh, when Taryn and I uh, got engaged in a couple of months, it'll be, four, or it'll be 15 years um, since we got engaged on Indian Rocks Beach down in central Florida. And, uh, and I remember that night, and I, I, I played a, a game, um, a little bit of a game with her, and I just knew, I knew her, but I don't think that she knew me as well as I knew her, because um, I was playing this game as we were walking down the beach. I wore jeans to the beach. I'm a Floridian. I wore jeans to the beach in June, right? Who does that? <laughs> like, anytime you see somebody with jeans to the beach in, um, in June, you're like, tourist. And you're like... And then, so I wore jeans to the beach because I knew that she was going to start bugging me the night I was going to propose to roll up my jeans as we walked along the beach. So we start taking a walk and she's like, why don't you just roll up your jeans? I don't know why you're wearing jeans anyway. Roll up. And I'm like, no, no, because I knew she would keep bugging me until I did it. We got closer to the water and, and eventually like the second or third time I said, okay, okay, I'll roll them up. Right, and she starts looking around, and I, I start rolling up my pants leg, only to slip my hand in my pocket and pull the ring out and ask her, and she says, "Are you kidding me?" You know, in our society, when, when, uh, and single folks know this, you know that when you look around and 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 you you find someone that you're attracted to, you look and and the the first thing you do after there's an attraction is you check that finger, don't you? You're like, oh, are they married or not? I'm like, ah. So many single folks are like, oh, man, they're married. We're getting older, looking for, for Mr. and Mrs. Wright. And, uh, but that's what, exactly what I was doing in that moment. I was saying, you're, you're mine, and, and I'm yours. And when I put that ring on my finger, we're saying, hey, I belong to you, that we're going to become one flesh. Um, the psalmist says it like this. I, I believe it's a Psalm chapter 4, verse 3 that says, But now the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. 
You know, and I think for just a second before I, I you know, move, move through this, um, we've got to understand what's called the doctrine of sanctification. I know that's a big word, and some of us, it just makes us even comfortable because it's big, and I don't like big words. But this idea of sanctification is really important because um, if you remember back when I taught on um, another big word, eschatology, on the study of the end times and, and God's kingdom and, and how God's kingdom, and I use this phrase, is already here, but it's not yet fully consummated. It's an inaugurated eschatology that it's already begun, but yet it's not fully here. The same is true when it comes to our sanctification and that God has set us apart for himself and he's made us holy. And this is so important. This is going to help so many of us who are believers today and some of you who are on the verge of making decisions. It's going to help you so much in your walk. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse Hebrews 10, verse 10. It says this, And by that um, uh, will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Look, look real quick right there. We have been. It's meaning it's already been done. Jesus' will to go to the cross for our sins was enough to make us holy. We've already been sanctified. If you were a Christian, if you were a follower of Jesus, if you have professed your, de- your dependence upon Jesus for salvation, you have been sanctified. Already done. Well, here's the tension in the scriptures. Go ahead and just skip down to verse 14 for me, Kenny. Skip down to verse 14, and it says this, For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. It's already here. It's already been done, yet it's not yet fully done. Think about this. We're a microcosm of what God's doing in all of eternity. And some of y'all just went, whoa, that makes sense. Because what happens for many of us is we say yes to Jesus and we know that we've received salvation. We've been justified. We know that we've been made clean. And someone says, hey, you're holy now. And then we walk out and you're saved now. And then we look up and we look at our life the next morning. We're like, well, my relationships don't seem too saved. My financial situation is still terrible. I'm still lusting after this person. I'm still struggling with this. And we're like, why is it that I've been saved, but yet I don't feel totally saved? And it's this ongoing work of uh, salvation we call sanctification. It is God purifying and refining us so that we not only are, are set apart for him, but that we can be set apart for them. And this is where we get into purpose. That, that, and first of all, just know this. The first part of the purpose is enough. Like he is a holy God and, and we draw in communion with him. The closer we get and the more we begin to reflect him and it happens from the inside out, the closer we get, he just begins to break things off of us. And oftentimes we hold on to those things because we think that we need them. We think that we, we need the, the money. We think that we need the food or the drink. We think we need this part of our identity, our sexuality. Or what We think that we need everything. But then what we learn in, in following Jesus is that all we need is Him. Amen. And we've been set apart for sacred uses. That's everything in our life. We've been set apart. And most of us, we set apart parts of our life for sacred use. And I think we've got to dig into it. I'm preaching way too long. Y'all are just going to hang on or walk out when you need to. But um, it, it starts with a mindset that some things are secular and some things are sacred. 
There are no lines when God looks down on your life. There are no areas that He doesn't want to save fully. And some of it's not going to be saved until kingdom come. We're, we're not going to be fully sanctified until the day He arrives and then everything changes. And we're going to, we're going to end there today. So um, we got we to remove those lines and know that every part of our being is sacred and it's meant for sacred use. It's meant for Him first. And if we want to draw close to Him, if we want to know His plan for our life, we've got to surrender to draw and draw close to Him. Because we've been set apart for Him. We've put that, he's put that ring on, on our fingers. Three, uh, second purpose in holiness is that He's not only set us apart for Him, but He's set us apart for them. Um, when I was a kid um, in elementary school, when I start thinking, okay, set apart, you know, there's a special group, I start thinking of the safety patrols. Uh, can, can, can all the safety patrols identify themselves just to know how safe we are? Man, what a group of safety patrols. I just wanted to know who I'm trying to not offend when I say this. So, um, no, I, I remember that. I was never a part of the cool kids, you know. I was never part of uh, the safety patrols. Like they got the, I don't know, at my school was the orange belt and the big old badge. I mean, the badge just made it so official. Like you were, you had authority. Um, but really, you know, I think a lot of times when, with Christians, we understand being set apart for them like, like a safety patrol. Like here to call out everyone's sins and judge them and tell the teacher, hey, pastor, did you see? Did you see what so-and-so's doing? Did you see what was on Facebook? And a lot of Christians view it like this. And we don't properly understand that, that holiness is actually not a, a badge that, that we display in order to make others feel worse about themselves. It's, it's, it's a gift of God that's been given so that we can know Him. We've been set apart for Him, but we've also been set apart for them. And this is what... We've got to understand this. Jesus is praying in John chapter 17, and he prays this. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Remember this. There's always a cost to being set apart. Jesus warns this on a regular basis. You're going to be rejected. Not everybody's going to like the message. Uh, it's, it's offensive. I mean, it, it, you're, you're going to be rejected. Jesus says it at the beginning of, uh, or excuse me, uh, it's said at the very beginning of 1 Peter chapter 2, like, hey, Jesus was rejected on our behalf, and so he went before us in that. Because we're not of the world. We're different. We've been set apart for sacred use. So we're not just going to go with the flow. Not just going to go with the flow of society. Uh, verse 15 says, I don't ask, this is Jesus praying to the Father, I don't ask that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from the evil one. There's a lot of Christians who have escapism theology. Like, I just can't wait to get out of there. Can't wait to get out of here. Hey, and I think as we grow in the Lord, the, the more years God keeps us on this earth, we long for heaven. Longing and, and escapism are two different things, okay? Yearning for the kingdom of God to be fully restored is one thing. It, it's, an, it's another thing to just kind of want to escape. But Jesus says not that you, he, he takes you out of the world, but just that the world's taken out of you. That you're protected from being uh, polluted uh, uh, in, in your heart from the world. So do you hear me? Like God's 
prayer for you is not that you just kind of escape. I mean, the church has been wrestling with this for generations. Like from after the time of Jesus, like monks just said, hey, like we're falling to sin. Let's go out into the desert. If you ever heard of the desert fathers, they go out to the desert. We're like, hey, maybe there we'll sin. We won't be polluted by the city. It's just going to be a bunch of Christians. And you know what they found out? They still sinned. And then there was this other group, the Augustinian monks, who said, hey, no, no, we're going to do it in the city. Right? And it's about being separated, being separated. But we misunderstand what Jesus is saying in the Scripture. It's not that we're just not of the world, but we're called to be sent to the world. They're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Keep moving. And let's wrap up this text here. Verse 17. Verse 17. Uh, they're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you've sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. So this is not an internal thing we're doing. This is what Jesus is doing us, doing in us by his truth, of his spirit, and of his word. You say, well, what, is that, what does that mean, pastor? What are we supposed to do? We're in this world, and oftentimes it feels like uh, we're getting sucked in by the velocity of a jet engine. You know, if you get close to it, we just get sucked into the culture. And we don't even realize it. My dad used to use this illustration of a frog on a boiler. Right? The water starts lukewarm, but then it just gets turned up a notch at a time. We don't even realize it. And we're fully immersed in, in thinking like the world. What are we supposed to do? Well, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? This is what he was calling us into. Because I think many of us, we misunderstand this. And, and we walk through the world like we walk through a gas station bathroom, right? I don't want to touch anything. I don't want to touch anything. I'm afraid somebody's going to make me icky out there. You know, and that's not God, what God's called us to do. Like our living in the world is, is that not of safety patrols or like we're walking through a gas station bathroom, but like Jesus did. And Jesus, he sat down and he had meals with sinners. He sat down with prostitutes and tax collectors and was judged. And, and he would sit down and have meals with them. And in that culture, that honor-shame culture, meals were a lot of things. It communicated your class in society. Our, our doesn't do that as much. And so Jesus was saying when he's sitting on his he's like, I don't care what you think of me. My value is not based off of this social world. It, my value is in heaven, and I'm called to these people. And, but, but we also must understand that, that we are the closest image that people get of God. And none of us are ever going to be a perfect example of that, but we're the closest image. And if that's true, how well are you doing it modeling God? How well are you uh, at modeling the face of, the, pro of, of the, the father of the prodigal son? I always think of that. We tap in her toe, saying, I wish they'd come home, I wish they'd get this. Or is it like, oh, no, I know you're a mess. I know you've been in the pig slop, but I'm going to run after you for where you're at, for where you're at. Some of us need to read through Luke chapter 15. Holiness is not about, hey, let me, let me hide myself away from the world, but it's, it's knowing that God's given us a gift and we've been called um, in our purpose. That's for him, but it's also for them to show them a picture of Jesus, not to judge and point fingers. Do you hear me today? And as we do this, we must operate how Paul instructed Timothy to, that, that God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So many Christians are afraid of the world. Afraid that if they touch a leper, someone doesn't fit into society, 
that they're going get, to get that. Jesus was not afraid to touch the leper. And that was a physical, transmittable disease, not many of the things that we think are transmittable. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. This is how we're to do this. We're to do it in the power of His Spirit, not resting on us. My, one of my mentors said, don't let your feet take you anywhere you can't handle. He didn't, so, hey, say, so, so say uh, you're, you're struggling, um, say, say you're struggling with, um, you know, uh, alcohol addiction or something like that. And, and, you know, what my um, mentor would say, he's like, well, then don't go into the gas station where you always go. Don't let your feet take you there. Don't go down that aisle of the grocery store. Uh, m- maybe you're, you're struggling uh, with an addiction to lustful thinking. Well, quit watching that TV show. Quit watching the YouTube channel that kind of has your mind just stuck in that. You begin to cut those things off. And we don't rely upon our own uh, presence of power, but the power of God. But He hasn't just given us a, a spirit of power, but a, pure, a, a spirit of love and of a sound mind that we operate out of love and out of wisdom. We use our brain. God has not called us to be stupid. So he's called us for them, but that doesn't mean we got to be careful that we don't get caught up into the same thinking, into the same sin uh, that, that they may find themselves. And so a sound mind. Uh, the third purpose uh, in holiness is not just that we've been called and set apart for him and for them, but we've been set apart for there. Jesus told his disciples that I go and I prepare a place for you. And I want to read out of Revelation today. I'm going to read a little more than what I, I told them to put on the screen. Our band's going to come and, and begin to lead us today. But God, is, as I told you, He's bringing us from the end to the beginning. He, our lives are a microcosm of what He is doing in the cosmos. I'm going to read Revelation chapter 21 if you want to read with me for just a few moments. They've got verse 2 up there, but I'm going to, I'm going to read a little bit more. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city. The holy city. God has made us holy for Himself. The new Jerusalem coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice. I'm going to keep reading. A voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. And they will be His people, and God Himself uh, will be with them and be their God. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who has seated on the throne, who was seated on the throne, is saying, I am making all things new. Um, And I don't know where you're at today um, in your relationship to God. I don't know if maybe some of this has clarified what God's trying to do in us. I don't know if some of us are just at a place of surrender um, and we just, we just need to lay it down in His presence. We need to come to that place and we just say, God, I'm yours. The ring is on my finger. God, help me to know that you've called me to be an image for you to this world. Uh, Maybe you've been walking around with the safety patrol. Maybe you've been walking through the world like it's a gas station bathroom and you just need to be reminded, no, no, God's called us to the world. And we don't have to operate out of fear. We can operate out of power, love, and a sound mind that he's given us. But I want you to know this, church. God is preparing a bride for himself and she's holy.
not because of anything we've done, but because of what he's done. And I want to I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to search my heart. Thank you for leading us in that, Pastor Ronnie. I want to search my heart and say, God, I'm making room for you right now, God. So just all across this room, I want you to stand out. I just want you to bow your head. I want you to be encouraged today that it's not out of our own doing. We, we don't walk out into the world to kind of figure this thing out on our own and do it in our own strength. No, no. It's by his power, his love, his wisdom. Come on, will you bow your heads with me? Father, right now, all across this room, there's folks in a lot of different places. Some who are, are just longing, God, for heaven. God, knowing that you are perfecting things. God, help us rest in your presence today knowing that, that you, we've been set apart for there, God. You have gone to prepare a place for us. God, in some of us today, we're, we're, we're struggling. We're struggling with what we see in the world, but God, help us to not just move into safety patrol mode, but help us to live as missionaries, as called image bearers into the city, into our neighborhoods, into our schools, into our workplace. God, we are sent there. We are called there. Your image bears for you. God, help us to feel that holy conviction as believers. For those today in the room that don't know you, God, may we make a profession of faith that says, I've got no holiness in my own, God. My righteousness is but filthy rags. My, my good works aren't good enough. God, can we make that bold profession of faith, God? Say that, hey, we know that we've been set apart for you, God, and we want all you have for us. We want all you have for us. Come on, if that's you today, if you're making a decision, make sure you, you reach out to maybe one of our prayer partners in this moment. If you're, you're trying to, to work through some things or you need somebody to speak into your life prayer, we, our prayer partners are here right there online. You can just comment prayer in the, in the comment section. Someone wants to reach out to you. You can always text the word FATHOM to 97000. Someone wants to begin a, a prayer opportunity with you there as well. Come on, let's take these few moments and just open ourselves up to whatever God wants to do in our lives. God, you can have your way. Come on, just open yourself up. Say, God, you can have your way in my life. Thanks for listening in today. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. To connect with us about what your next step with Jesus might be, or even if you need help figuring that out, you can text the keyword FATHOM to 97000 anytime and follow the prompts. You can also go ahead and type in the search bar of your podcast app, Fathom Beyond Sunday, and there you'll find our new podcast. You'll be able to listen in on some really great conversations, just taking the truth of God's word from our Sunday sermon a step further, talking about how we can apply these truths to our everyday lives between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.